Testing, testing. One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Good evening. This is the first episode of Life Recommenced, understanding that through it all, first we are African at best. My name is Joe Parks, and before I begin, I would just like to read a little something to my audience. And it comes from chapter one, the seat on the trouble, the miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. The educated Negroes have the attitude of contempt towards their own people because in their own, as well as in their mixed schools, Negroes are taught to admire the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, and the Teuton, and to despise the African. Of the hundreds of Negro high schools recently examined by an expert in the United States Bureau of Education, only 18 offer a course taking up the history of the Negro. And in most of the Negro colleges and universities where the Negro is thought of, the race is studied only as a problem or dismissed as of little consequence. For an example, an officer of a Negro university, thinking that an additional course on the Negro should be given there, called upon a Negro doctor of philosophy of the faculty to offer such work. He promptly informed the officer that he knew nothing about the Negro. He did not go to school to waste his time that way. He went to be educated in a system which dismisses the Negro as a non-entity. Now, what is significant about what Dr. Woodson is saying in the first chapter of this book. The significant lies in where we are as a people today. In America, I know when I was in school, that was one of the biggest problems I had. The lesson taught me less about myself, to think less of myself, and to understand that in American society, I was expected to be nothing. Many of you probably will say, how can you say that? Where do you get that from? Um, that's not true. Just think about it. Nothing in our education teaches us about who the African-American is, where the African-American came from, or the history of the African-American as it relates to positive influences, positive impact into society. 
we see the African or being of Africa from a negative context. And even with that in mind, what um, Dr. Woodson is saying that we are taught about to admire the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, and the Teuton. If you caught it, those are biblical, biblical references. The Hebrew, the Old Testament people, the children of Israel. The Greek, the New Testament writings, Jesus, Paul, and so forth. The Latin, the translation of the Bible that led into the Greek. The Teuton, the Old Testament, five books that led up to the Pentateuch. Now, the reason why he suggests that we are taught to admire those is because the Bible is what the slaves, our ancestors, the only reference of history, and I must add Caucasian or Greek history, that they were allowed to study. Remember, when the slaves made it into America, they were forced to, sub, to, 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 to denounce their own culture, their own language, their own traditions, and to incorporate the culture of the dominant, the oppressor, the ones who had taken them into captivity. True story. Back in 2019, um, I took a trip, me and my wife, to Ghana, South Africa. I'm sorry, to Ghana, West Africa. We went to Accra, and we visited the slave castles, three slave castles, and a couple of the slave forts. What was interesting in that visit was that I saw signs of Christian and Catholic churches within a stone's throw of the slaves fort. And it made me wonder, how could a church be established within that close proximity to where one of the worst and probably the most atrocious violation of humanity the world has ever known took place? So I asked our tour guide, and he informed me that uh, at the Amina Slave Castle, where we were, that the Catholic Church that I pointed to, that appeared to be only a couple of blocks away, that it was built around the same time that the Amina Castle was built. But he went further to say, don't be dismayed at that because I'm going to show you something and, and introduce something to you all that's going to really amaze you. So we went off the top level deck and he took us downstairs into the, the, the courtyard and he pointed to different doors. And one of the particular doors, he said, this is where the male slaves were held. And we all went into the room, 
and it was a little small, maybe a um, 12 by 10 foot room. He said that um, at one, any given time, there could be up to almost a thousand slaves stuffed in that room. He said, but what is significant about it, directly above that room was the Catholic Church for the dungeon. You heard me right. The church where the guards and the generals and the militia who was guarding the slaves waiting on their transport ships to arrive in the harbor, they went to church right above the dungeon where the male slaves were being held. Even more horrific, he informed us that before the slaves could go out of what they labeled the door of no return, and that was the door that they walked through that led down the walkway to the dinghy boat um, that took them out to the ships that was waiting in the harbor. Uh, the tour guide Sebastian said that prior to that, all slaves had to accept Christianity. And when he made that statement, I asked, what do you mean accept Christianity? He informed us that in West Africa, on the slave coast, what they labeled the Gold Coast, in Ghana during that time period. Christianity was not known as a religion. He said that they didn't even know about Christianity until the Europeans, the Dutch, the French, the Portuguese, until they all invaded. He said the slaves were given a choice to either accept Christianity and live or refuse to accept it and die. Sebastian said many of the slaves died and the guards would take their bodies and throw them off the cliffside, the deep cliffside of the fort into the ocean. He said that it had happened so much that rumors leads it that sharks was waiting daily there to feed. What's really even more sad about this whole story is that here in America, we have been traditionally accustomed not to accept, to like, to love the country from which we originated. And I'm going to get into it in a later podcast, but it's really crazy because scientists, genealogists, anthropologists found out years ago that the oldest 
known human fossil. Um, I think they labeled her name Lucy. From her, they found the genealogy track for all human beings, all races of people, all demographics, all ethnicities. And Lucy was found in Africa. With that being said, scientists have all but agreed that Africa was the beginning of human existence. Now I say that it is a sad thing, but I am here to offer the truth. Many of us believe in the Bible. We believe in the scriptures. But as Carter G. Woodson is advising us in so many ways, even the Bible is miseducating us. And we have to understand that this miseducation is what holds us back. It is us that is holding us in oppression. Let me put a spin on something for you. Let's look at the Bible from a totally different perspective. Many of us we argue that African Americans, the slaves that was taken from West Africa and brought into the Americas, that were brought into the Caribbean, that were dispersed in Brazil, and all over the world. We argue fervently, especially here in America. I know they do here in the South. That we are the true descendants or the true people of Israel. I want to say, why would you, as one of my professors pointed out to me, why would you be so ready to associate yourself as being a child of Israel versus being the Palestinians? Because Israel, the land of Canaan, and what the Bible says, um, God told Moses to lead the people out of Egypt into that land and that God was given, had given that land to them. That land is modern day Palestine. And if you would just listen with an open mind and an open heart for one second, and you will see and understand 
what I'm trying to say. The story goes in the Bible that God told Moses to lead the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt into that land. And that God said to kill everyone living in that land. He told Moses, from what the Bible says, to kill the men, the women, the children, the sick, the elderly, even their cattle and, 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 and livestock. Let nothing live, not only to kill them, but to burn them, their homes, but to take the food and the, the uh, money and other wealth and to keep it. Now, think about that for a minute. That sounds like colonialism. That sounds like theft, murder. And the reason given for the destruction and the total genocide and annihilation of the people is the writer because it was not Moses. If you read from a critical lens, you'll see that the story was written in third person. There's somebody telling the story of what Moses said and what Moses did. But away from that, uh, something we'll deal with on another day. The story says that the people had sinned against God because they worshiped other gods. It's critical. They worshiped other gods. But according to the story, God was not the God of those people. You got to read it critically now. So what the writer is telling you is that the children of Israel was the people whom God chose and that God told them, well, told Moses to lead them out of Israel, out of bondage, out of captivity, into a land that was already inhabited by a lot of people who apparently were living in harmony with each other. The only issue with the people was that they say, or the scripture says, they were worshiping idol gods, other gods. They built sanctuaries. They built uh, rituals. They built uh, uh places of worship all over the land and the gods that those people will worship 
what God of the air, God of fire, <laughs> the God of water, the God of fertility, the God of the land, the God of all different elements of nature. Do your research. That's traditional African religion all over Africa, especially within the Yoruba people. That's the Ephah religion. Fast forward, not fast forward, but let's move over into the Americas. The Indians, the Native Americans, they worship the same God. Gods of fire, gods of wind, gods of water, gods of fertility, gods of war, gods of protection. But they all understood that there was one higher God. And these lesser gods did the work of the higher gods. Same way with the African religion. There's one high God in Yoruba, Olodumare. And there are all these lesser gods that does the work for the one higher God. Same in the Christianity from what they stole. There is God, but God has an angel, several angels, many angels, that does the work for God. The angel Michael, for instance. And you can go on and on and on. But let's get back to the miseducation. So we have assimilated ourselves to be the killers, to be descendants of the killers, the rapists, the murderers, the land stealers, who left Egypt, as the story goes, and went into a land of peaceful people, people who we're not even at war with each other. And we went into their land and we said that our God, according to the story, the children of Israel said that their God was more powerful than their God. We've heard that before. And not only that, they just immediately went on an onslaught of killing and taking. And this is for those people within the biblical context and the biblical story are the people whom we say we are from. I mean, we want to identify ourselves as being those people. Why? Because our ancestors, as time move and progress forward, the dominant culture, the Caucasian, the white, had stripped them of all knowledge of their history and gave them their history. But in that same giving 
they made them believe that those stories were synonymous with their with the fate of the Africans in America. So in embracing that fate, they embraced the faith. How can a God who have claimed you to be God's people allow that type of atrocity to happen to God's people how can the same God align God's self with those who are doing the hurt and the pain and the killing and the murdering and the raping and the stealing and the pillaging and be the same God of all these people. I think it was James Cone who said when the white man kneeled down and prayed he prayed to his God and when the slave kneeled down and prayed he prayed to his God there is no way possible that they both could have been praying to the same God and I hope that sheds little light into the issue the thing is, I tell you what, let's move into what we've been seeing and witnessing in America these last few days this week. Look at what happened in the Capitol. Many of the news media and the news outlets all draw the same consensus probably with the interception of Fox News, that if those individuals had been of another race, they would not have been escorted out of the Capitol with no arrests and basically no, no, no murders or, or, or no one in handcuffs or no one being killed. If there had been another race, they probably would not have even made it past the barriers. And I'm not trying to do any finger pointing. I'm just trying to make a case. The case is white supremacy, white superiority is has been evident in America since the inception of America. It is deeply embedded within the context, the foundation, the governing structure, the economic systems, 
of America. We had laws here in America that sanctioned slavery. We had laws here in America that sanctioned Jim Crow. We had laws here in America that said a black man or a black woman, and I really hate to use the term black because we are not black, but a person of color, a non-white person, could not enjoy the same God-given inalienable rights that a Caucasian person could enjoy. Not only that, we had laws that said a Caucasian person could own any non-Caucasian person. This is America. These laws were passed by the governing structure of America. Every founding father owned slaves. How could there be any justice? Especially since the men who created and wrote the doctrines were not just themselves. Politics has always played a role in the, in the destruction and the deception of the weaker, the poor people of all societies. That was established by uh, Aristotle, Nicomachean Ethics. He says that politics is the greatest of all sciences. Why? Because it is politics which dictates what you will learn. Politics dictates how you will govern. Politics dictates the laws of society. Politics dictates the religion that you worship. Politics dictates all aspects of human life. When you understand all of these, then you understand that it is and it was politics that aided in the miseducation of the Negro. They taught us to hate the land from which we came. Not only to hate it, but to not even want to be assimilated or, or, or aligned with the place from which we came. Yet, look at the governing systems. Look at the cultural traits 
look at the customs and practices in American society, English society, Spanish society, European society, Chinese society, all have adaptations that began in Africa. So why do they not teach us descendants of African people the greatness from which we came? Why do they teach us that we descended from slaves? I mean, once a year you get Black History Month. Why does black history have to have a month? When much of all you know is black history. But they call it American history. They call it European history. Because it is told from a white perspective. Now, don't get me wrong. I love all humanity because we are all from God. We are all from the same higher source. We all live and breathe the same air. We all share one of the eight different blood types from one of the my research projects in obtaining my masters I did a commercial and that was the emphasis of the commercial we are human first and foremost secondly we all originated from Africa so first before we were black before we were white, before we were English, before we were uh, German, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, or any other ethnicity or any other country of origin, we were African. And it's important that that be made known especially to our people. We look at the um, high dropout rate in school. And I ask you, well, why would a young black man or a young black woman want to go to school when he's learning that the founding fathers that created the country from which he is supposed to love were all slave owners. Not only that, once a month he gets to learn that the great Martin Luther King and the other civil rights movement, men and women of the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks, went to jail because she didn't want to sit in the back seat of a bus. That was a crime. 
Not only that, when Martin Luther King decided, along with many others, that racial discrimination, that the Jim Crow laws and that uh, segregation was against humanity and they stood up to fight for civil rights and equal rights and for the black people to be treated like Caucasians, they were met with force, violent force, deadly force by the government. That's right, the government, the police, the FBI. Along with citizens, private citizens. Wait a minute. We just saw this this week. The funny part is these Caucasian and there was some black and other races also but mainly majority the vast majority was arguing and fighting because they felt like and they feel like their way of living their supremacy is under attack this is the America that they are fighting to save the unjust America, the America that says they are greater and better than any other race of people simply because they are Caucasian. This is the America that they are fighting to keep. They don't want to see the LGBTQ community, black people, or anyone else rise into a position of power or authority over them. And it's not all white people. Don't get me wrong. Because there are so many understanding white people. And they are not white, but Caucasian people who understand and embrace the idea and the concept of humanity. Humanity. That we are all from the same God. The same God that loves me, loves them. Only if they knew it. But yet we hear people on the recordings by the news media saying their freedom is at risk that the election was stolen by the Democrats, which, again, majority of the Democrats are African-American, or rather, majority of the African-American population vote Democrat. That we are trying to steal their freedom. Digest that for me for a minute. These people have seemingly begun to think that we are trying to, when I say we, African Americans and others that support the plight of African Americans, that we are trying to 
flip the script to make them live in the way they have made us live for over 400 years. And that is not the case. All African Americans ever wanted was to be treated equal, just humanely. We don't want to be called three-fifths of a man, especially when everything you have came off the backs of us. There's a lot of miseducation that we as a people must get past and get over. We must start investing in understanding who we are as a people in relation to all other peoples and nature. That is the essence of who we are as Africans, descendants of African people. Another important thing I would like to mention before I end this podcast, love encompasses all things. And that's not only the situations and circumstances of human, but the environment which sustains us all. You see, God created humans to be able to live in harmony with the environment. And that was the essential issue that the Indians had with the Caucasians, I'm sorry, the Native American Indians had with the Caucasians when they came into the Americas and started pillaging the land. See, the Indians saw that pillaging as a form of disharmony that jeopardized their livelihood. And that's what caused them to try to protect the land. Because in protecting the land, they were protecting their livelihood. Not only their livelihood, but the livelihood for all who existed in this country. Do your research, people. And you will see that Africans were visiting what we now know as North America and South America way before Christopher Columbus, Amerigo Vespucci, John Cabot, Leonardo, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Ponce de Leon and all of the other uh, early explorers. It's time to dispel all these lies. It's time to start 
telling the truth. Because it is only when we know the truth about who we are that then we can start to heal and become to be the people whom God created us to be. And that's a loving people, a caring people, a people who take care of not only their people, but the entire village of people who lives within them in the community. This is why they hated Rosewood. This is why they hated uh, uh, Topeka, Kansas. This is why they hated any area where blacks prospered. Especially when the ability to prosper came without their help. (coughs) I learned that in the early colonial America, there were indentured black people <coughs> from England who were English citizens who came to the Americas and worked as indentured servants. There were also some who came on their own accord, free men and women who purchase a small piece of land and farm that land until it became to be a big plantation. And they also own indentured servants as well as some slaves. During this time, there were no black and white. There was just English and whatever um country of origin you were from African and so forth well the problem came because the African English people began to prosper more than the Caucasian English and the indenture which would be the poor white trash or the poor black trash Um, the indentured Africans could not be distinguished from the enslaved Africans. Neither could they be distinguished from some of the free blacks. So laws begin to be passed because the indentured white men and the indentured black people became to be friends because they were treated just as harsh as the slaves were. And the slave owners saw this friendship to be a threat. So they gave the white men a higher position on the plantation, the overseers, and allowed them to treat the slave harshly. Well, that still left the issue with the 
indentured slave, the slave, and I'm sorry, the indentured servants, the slaves, and the free blacks from not being able to be distinguished one from another. So as time progressed, they passed laws that made it illegal for indentured blacks and indentured whites and slaves to be communicating with each other during certain time periods of the day and in certain amounts because they feared an insurrection was coming. Time progressed, those laws evolved to add, you know it, the free black. And one day, just like this week, there became an uproar. And these Caucasian racist people started separating themselves from people of color using color. We are white. Look it up in the dictionary. White is pure. Black is tarnished. Black is nasty. Black is ugly. Black is dark. Black is evil. Black is negative. White is positive. White is pure. White is godly. Thus came the idea of white and black. No longer humans. Have a good night. And I hope some of these words have enlightened the listener. And until I get back to you next time, we'll pick it up from there with a little more education. Peace and blessings. And may Olodumare, may God, even though that's the German pronunciation of the higher good, good. But if that's where you are, that's where you are. But may the higher being, the being who created us all, bless, provide, and keep you. I shake.